0: book of jeremiah so as we start let's open our book our bibles to the book of the revelation say what i want to talk to you this morning uh... about the unending call the unending call um... I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 9. I'm going to start with verse 18 and read just a couple verses here. It says, By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. So I can't read all of this, but you'll get the picture. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality, Or their thefts. So the unending call is a call of repentance. And from the very beginning, when we see sin enter this world and man bringing death because of his disobedience, and we see um, bring, bring death upon himself, and then obviously the death of the innocent animals with which he was clothed from that time on, we see God calling people away from themselves and toward him to turn and <clears throat> there are uh, of course highlights of it times when it 's more uh, when it 's emphasized more. Than others, as we read these prophetic books, like Jeremiah, that we're in, and you can you can turn there now. We're going to start with chapter six. As as we read these prophetic books, we see it over and over again, Um, up until the point to where a couple times in the readings that we had this week, if you read along with us in Jeremiah, you'll see that um, though Jeremiah calls the people to repent. God tells Jeremiah not to pray for them. Don't be praying for these people. Basically what he's saying is their judgment is already sealed because they wouldn't repent. We'll we'll kind of touch briefly on that as we go. I've got to go rapidly here. As we conclude in this today, I hope that you'll see that there is nothing new here. Where we live is not a new place the time we live is a different year and a different number <clears throat> we have different things a few generations ago we would have all got here on behind a horse but we would all have been here and the heart of man would have been the same as it is today and jeremiah tells us in our reading this week that the heart of man is what desperately wicked Above all things. So, in chapter 6, we're going to go down through this, and we're going to talk to you some of, some, about some of the things that Jeremiah said, and we're going to move, uh, Lord willing, toward, a, toward something progress, uh, to, uh, progress toward, toward a conclusion here. In verse 10, he says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Verse 13, For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Verse 15, When they were ashamed, excuse me, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. If there's, if there's an, uh, something that indicates the lack of, um, or the, let me rephrase that, if there is anything perhaps that indicates the abandonment of God, it's people who are brazen about their sin, oh. defiant in it, shaking an ungodly fist in the face of God and in the face of those who represent Him. So, um, you'll notice here as I kind of give a, a kind of giving you a list that they didn't care for God's word, and they were greedy, and their priests were unreliable. As a matter of fact, their priests were in it for gain. And we're going to go down through some of the issues here that they were dealing with, and you'll see that some of their issues were no different. Then there was. Chapter 7. And, and again, I'm only going to highlight some of the things in each of these verses. Verse 5. For you truly, for if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. So, he's promising them that if they will abandon these things, that he will will let them stay there. Now again, to kind of remind you where we are, there is a foreign power forming on their borders. And Jeremiah, through this book, is going to prophesy to them that that foreign power is going to be used of God to judge them for their sin. So when he says, I'll let you stay here, that's what he's talking about. If you read this carefully, you'll find out that he also says, if you don't do these things, he said, every place is going to be taken. There will be nothing. Everything will be burned. Your crops will be burned. Your homes will be burned. Talking an invading army that looted and destroyed and killed and raped and pillaged and did all the things that looting armies do. So this list here, you know, we have, to, we have to kind of think that this list here, if you don't oppress the sojourner or the fatherless or the widow, so the reason he's saying that is because they were either doing it or were being tempted to do it. And he's, he's preemptively dealing with them. Verse 8, <clears throat> Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make idols to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? <clears throat> Excuse me. And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered? Only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? and then i i won't go on to elaborate but he he elaborates more on this so what were they doing they were saying well we we went to church therefore everything's cool uh, i'll just leave and we'll kind of we'll kind of build on that chapter 8 <clears throat> chapter verse 10 therefore i will give their wives to others and their fields to conquerors Because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And by the way, that same phrase is repeated through this book. When they were ashamed, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed. They do not know how to blush. And that's a repeat. We already saw that. Verse 18, skip on down. Here's the prophet saying, My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. So he goes, he actually is interceding with God and telling God how miserable he is because all of this is going on. How miserable he is because of the message God has called him to bring. Now, um, excuse me. Folks, there are multiple layers to this. And I I, I can't get into all of the layers of it today. But I would encourage you, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the prophet's thoughts. in in just a few minutes, I I would encourage you to think past the superficiality of this. Because um, the prophet was called to say things he didn't want to say to people who didn't want to hear it. And he did so to his own hurt. And that's why... God could use that prophet to speak to others who were doing it for who were saying untruth for gain. So, in verses ten through twelve, we read that he says they they bring false security to people. They they tell people what they want to hear because they get gain from that, and 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 they give people false security, and then. As we get down to chapter 8, verse 18, we talk about the grief of the prophet. And I'll touch this again here in a little bit. He says the same thing in chapter 12, and he says the same thing in chapter 15. Now, we talked last week about how the prophet is sometimes called the weeping prophet, and he does weep. And we read the notes that said probably he should, instead of being called a weeper, he should, he should be referred to as a, a person of strength and fortitude and, and determination. And discipline. Because though he was broken on the inside, he still did what God told him to do. He had moral courage. Chapter 9. Verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are, uncirc- who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. So there's a great, and again, I've got to go quickly here, but there's a great, um, uh, a whole lot of wisdom in those few verses about where our hearts ought to be, about not to depend upon religious formulaic formulas and modalities and, and practices and rituals. He said, these people are circumcised, but they're not circumcised in their heart. And he said, they're no different from the people who deny me openly because their heart is not with me. They have a heartless religion. They go through the practice, but their heart's not there. And that that's a message. Like I said earlier, there's nothing new here. That's a message that's repeated over and over and over again. God gave these people a system to draw near to Him through sacrifices and to come every time they brought a sacrifice in, there should have been brokenness. They should have said, Lord, this thing that, was, that is breathing and bleeding and looking around with conscious eyes with a mind is now going to die because of my sin. There should have been brokenness every time. And there wasn't. They became acclimated to it. And then because, because of that, their heart left and they just kept doing it. And we're going to see this over and over as we read these things in the New Testament. As we read these things, you say, well, that can't happen today because of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, it can. We're commanded in the, Holy, in the, in the New Testament not to what? Grieve the Holy Spirit by which we're sealed. Heartless religion. Chapter Ten. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It focuses on uh, uh, on idolatry um, and the foolishness. It says in verse 15, they are worthless, a work of delusion. And I won't back up. But he says, you, you guys, you guys take gold and you take other material and you give it to the craftsman. And the craftsman makes something out of it, and and then you worship that thing. He says, there is no breath in them. In other words, there's no life in them. They are worthless. A work of delusion. Chapter 11. We're going fast, aren't we? How many think we're going fast? Okay. How many think we're going slow? How many don't think? All right. All right. Okay, quite a few. All right, I guess I all right. Chapter eleven, verses three and four. Um Well, verse two Hear the words of this covenant, and I speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord the God of Israel, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, from the iron furnace. That's talking about slavery, saying, Listen to my voice, and do all that I command you, so that so shall you be my people, and I will be your God, that I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. Then I answered, So be it, Lord. So he, he tells them, he says, You go and, and obey this covenant, but the, but they didn't they didn't obey it. To, uh, verse, look at verse seven. For I solemnly warned your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently even to this day, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of their heart. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded to them, but they did not. Which I, excuse me, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. And as we talked about covenant a few weeks ago, there's, there's, um, blessings and curses with most of them and God says here's the other side of this if you don't do this this is what will happen and they did not obey chapter 12 beginning with the end of chapter 11 we once again have the the prophet's grief grief and I'm not going to read all this but he he cries out lord how long how long is this going to keep going on he he cries out why do the wicked prosper He questions and there's confusion and there's strife and there's conflict and, he, and he, he, he doesn't have peace because of it. And so he's wrestling with all of these topics and he's calling out to God for them, you know, for answers for them. I'm really wrestling with how to say some of these things, but I feel I must be honest with you. If, If there is not something aggrieved down in us, then there is something wrong. if we laugh off the lies and shenanigans and manipulations of our government and there is something wrong now i'm not here to tell you that what they're doing is new i know enough of history to know that they're they're not doing anything new there are cycles of this stuff good and bad and and You know, ups and downs in all of this, as it always has been throughout all of history. So I'm not here to tell you that what they're doing is some novel thing that's never been done before. But I am here to tell you that you have probably not lived in anything like this before. If when we look around, again, this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, if when we look around and we see what's going on, you've got to stop and think, we'll say, oh, we look at those abortion places and we think that those are terrible. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. There are people going into those places who are confused, who are broken, who are uh, deceived and delusional and think that that's the answer to their problem. And there, there can be, I mean, the, the, um, I could probably spend more than the rest of my time allotted here today just going over all of the circumstances that can, that can be there. There are, there are people using those clinics who are prostitutes, who've got to get rid of this baby so they can continue to work. There are people using those, those clinics who are being forced to, by the father of that child, what kind of what, what what kind of evil, hurtful world are those people living in? When the prophet looked around him at all the things that were going on, his heart was broken, and over and over again, as I mentioned, and, and i didn't even go past what we were reading in 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 this chapter. And in chapter 15, and, and earlier, he, he cries out and says, you know, why is all this going on? Because his heart was broken. Now, um, not to mention the fact that they were trying to kill him, <laughs> which only adds to the problems. Chapter thirteen is an il- is the illustration of the ruined loincloth, and uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a, w- a weird thing. But um, when you, you think of that, we you know what's what's to do this? But, you know, what does all that mean? But but God says, I want you to do this because I want you to see that I I, I put these people next to me. That, that loincloth was like underwear. It says, I put these people next to me. They were close to me. And they're ruined. Even though I, I tried to have this intimacy with these people. Verse 22 says something interesting. And I've uh, got to touch on this. It says, And if you say in your heart, Why have these things come upon me? It is for the greatness of your iniquity that your skirts are lifted up and you suffer violence. And and what he's talking about there, your skirts are lifted up, is probably what you're thinking. It it has to do with sexual defilement. It has to do with embarrassment. Shame. So, talking about that and violence. And then listen to what he says. Verse 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots I mean, it wasn't Shakespeare that came up with this then also you can do good who are un who are accustomed to evil now that's a play on words but he said if you're accustomed to evil you are as likely to do good as the leopard can change his spots Or the black man can become something other than black. Now stop and think what that means culturally, folks. Every year as our culture gets deeper into degradation and violence and corruption, fewer people learn good. All they learn is evil and manipulation. If you want to do some uh, some interesting studies um, or, or read some interesting things look at what happens to children in violent homes and in drug homes and the imprinting that goes on them that's why in this state it's an added level of crime if domestic violence takes place takes place in the presence of a child because somewhere along the line someone in all their wisdom figured out what the Bible says that when a child sees that that's what he learns to do chapter 14 once again deals with heartless religion False religion and lying prophets. I'm not going to read all that and take time to do it. Chapter 15 deals with God's judgment. And once again, Jeremiah's grief. Now, I, I want to point out something here before before we go on here and, and try to bring this whole big train to pull it into the station at least someplace. Look with me at verse 20 of chapter 15. It says... Um, And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you. So God promises the prophet that he would protect him. And he does so within the context of his calling. Once again, in this chapter, we have Jeremiah's grief and his complaint like we did in chapter 12 and like we did earlier in the book. God says, I'll, I'll protect you. Now, God's blessing, His grace, is best manifested to us in obedience. I'll just leave that. I don't have time to go into all of these things. Chapter 16, the prophets commanded, The word of the Lord came to me, is verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. And then he goes on to talk about the disaster that's going to come. And that was an odd thing. And I mentioned this last week as we talked about the introduction to Jeremiah, that... that uh, a bachelor like him was an outcast in culture because all of everybody got married in those in those instances, in in that in that particular culture. And he says, "Don't you get don't you get married and don't you have children in this land?" Now, there is nothing new here. I said that earlier. This this book, from Genesis to the Revelation is a history of God's redemptive plan and we see different facets of it as we move through um, talk about this in you know here in a minute we know things that 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 uh, Jeremiah didn't because he couldn't see them yet and they've happened and we, we can now see them there were people who wrote after Jeremiah like Daniel that Jeremiah never read and of course, obviously Jeremiah didn 't have the New testament he didn't live in those, he didn't live in those days, so there are things that we know that they they did not they did not know. so we put this in the whole context of, of what's going on here. God has from the very beginning been calling people to repentance he's been calling them to live honestly before him I mean folks it's, if, um, boy, again, I've I got so much to talk about here. Think about it. Think about it. Think about, take your mind back to Genesis chapter 3. These, Adam and Eve sinned, and what did they do? They went and hid. And God came to the garden, and what did God do? He says, hey, where are you guys? And they said, we're over here. And he says, why are you hiding? He says, because we're naked. What was God doing? God was seeking them. And then he made garments for them, and which we talked about earlier, it was caused death. He made garments for them out of skins; some blood covered their sin. We we don't go very far until their children, one of their children, kills one of their other children. And in the process, again, think with me: Cain kills Abel. And Cain is angry, and we, what we have uh, I can't read it, but what we have is God going to Cain and saying, "Cain, why are you upset? If you do right, what you if you do right, you'll be accepted." And it had to do with sacrifices and other things that that go off on another channel I can't talk about that right now but he says if, if you do right you'll be accepted what was God doing God was God was reasoning with him that's why the prophet later can say come and let us reason together though your sins be as scarlet I can make them white as snow God's all the time reaching out for people trying to get them to come to come to repent to come to turn to, to, to re- relinquish themselves to come to him he's always doing that that's what he's always done all the way through and when Jesus shows up, he says, "I didn't come to minister to, but to what? To minister. I, and let me rephrase that. I didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give myself as a ransom." Always, God's always reaching out in His grace. We say, "Well, He's given us all these commands. He's given us all these commands because it's what's best for you, and if you do them, you're, you're going to end off. Be, you're going to end up better." Uh, Just on an earthly level, when you find out you can't do them, which you can't, you're going to realize that you need a Savior. That's why the apostle later on could say the law was a schoolmaster to show us that we needed Jesus. So here's this prophet, and God says... Uh, in the midst of this unfolding story, God says, don't you marry and don't you have children in this land because this land is going to go into destruction. And how that, how many people must have looked down their noses at him and thought he was weird. What questions he must have faced. I talked about this last week, but those of you who have and who, who have and who will, homeschool your parents, need to be prepared to answer questions. Hopefully, people ask you why you give your Sunday to the Lord. And I talked about this before. You know, there's so much in here. I can't, I'm I'm already out of time. There's so much here. It used to be businesses weren't open on Sunday. Some of you are too young to remember that. Now I want you to think with me. It has now become normal that Sunday is a holiday, not a holy day. And it won't take more. My generation is going to go off the scene and there will be no one who remembers it. It used to be homosexuality was illegal. Listen to me. Illegal. If a man dressed up like a woman, a woman and went to the park and tried to find a partner, the police would arrest him. And now men dress up like women and read books in our libraries. To our kids. All right. Okay. (laughs) Are you still with me? I want you to write down three things. If you write down anything at all, today we have an issue in our church, and I'm going to give you three C's. We have commercial Christians. That's the first C. Commercial Christians are promised all sorts of materialistic benefits for their allegiance to an organization purportedly in the name of Jesus. They're materialists. And God is there to supply them more than be a Savior. He's there for a provider more than propitiation. And you can, you can look online, you can look, I don't even know if they still have phone books anymore. You can, you can read signs. You'll see that these churches advertise all of their, the sermon titles are filled with it. You can read the sermon titles. It's all about success. It's all about happiness. It's all about what you, what's going on in your life right here and right now. And, and very few of these places are telling you that God Almighty died for your sins. Because you're wretched and under the wrath of God. Because people don't like to hear that. So these people never learn to repent. They never, they never hear they need to repent. God is their, their friend and buddy who helps them. And the second C is our cultural Christians. And these are old-time liberals where the Bible is just a book. Let me, let me read to you uh, just a, this, a quote. You probably have heard this quote. It's from Richard Niebuhr. He says, Liber, Liberalism is teaching a God without wrath, brought men without sin, into a kingdom without judgment, through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. I read that again. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. This is our liberal churches out here that deny the power and the authority of the word of God. Another fellow wrote about this. He said, Let us not deceive, our, deceive ourselves. A Jewish teacher of the first century can never satisfy the longing of our souls. Clothe him with all the art of modern research. Throw upon him the warm, deceptive, calcium light of modern sentimentality. And despite it, all common sense will come to its rights again. For, And for our brief hour, of self-deception as though we have been with Jesus we will wreak havoc upon us in the revenge of hopeless disillusionment in other words what's he saying he's saying that this great teacher can't save us the only one who can save us is God who died on a cross and we so we 've got cultural christians and they have they have disregarded this book we 'll talk more about this in just a second they 've disregarded this book they have a godless christianity they 've got a godless Christ they have a Jesus, but he is not God, and because of it they 'll do whatever culture comes along, I know for a fact well i don 't i, I, I can 't say that that 's too strong i 'm I'm, I'm almost positive that most of the people in those in that category do not know the Lord I'm very concerned that very many people in the commercial Christians category don't know the Lord either because they've not gone to him as a savior they've gone to him as a provider and a helper and then we've got the confessional Christians and these are believers these are real believers but they're more interested in defining Christianity than acting it out and worse they believe that defining it is indeed acting it out. Now, the quotes that I just read to you, and I, I'm not going to read a bunch more of them here, the books, the quotes that I just read to you all came from the early 20th century. We're talking 1920s and 1930s. We're not talking 10 years ago or even 50 years ago. We're talking 100 years years ago all of this was going on so one of the one of the uh, authors that that I was reading to you from fought against liberalism and denial of God's authoritative word talk about that in a second the other one talked about the weakness of the church doctrinally it didn't know doctrine he said the church is just too busy out here trying to get converts it's 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 all working on its evangelistic effort and and the people in the churches don't know what they believe And, and over the past few months, we've talked to, talked to you about these books. And I, I'll throw these. just talk to you again here. This is <laughs> Gashmue, saith it, okay, by Doug Wilson. Strange New World by Carl Truman. I just mentioned a couple of these. Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. I didn't bring the Woke Free Church book from in there in my office because my arm was tired. But uh, that's the same thing. You know what all four of those books all do at the end? They call the church to repentance and godly Christian living. The solution to our mess is Christians who are 100% committed to God, who live according to this book, who believe this book, who read this book, who study this book. Jeremiah didn't have this book. You remember, Josiah found the book of the law, and when they read it, they were broken. They were, we said, we've been disobeying, and, they, and, and that was the beginning of, of Jeremiah's ministry. He didn't, have, he didn't have Daniel's writings. He didn't have some of the other He certainly didn't have the New Testament. We already talked about that. Now today, we don't have a prophet. When he said, you guys aren't listening to the Word of God... When Jeremiah said, you don't listen to the word of God that he gave you, he was talking about how he spoke through Moses and he spoke through the prophets and he said, here's what God wants you to, here's what God wants you to do and they didn't listen. And we don't even, we don't have prophets like that today and we're not supposed to. Why? Because we have this book. The objective reality, objective truth from the ultimate authority in the universe, God Almighty, who gives us this book. There's a continuum here. When we go, if, we, if I would jump on both feet with um, evolutionary... If I jumped on it with, on evolutionary science with both feet, I, I, I probably would be messing some things up. Because you've got to have some wisdom in some of this stuff. But the fact of the matter is when we get to the extreme edge of it, we, we cross God off. Instead of having a God who made us we tell people that we made God and if we made Him, we can unmake Him and we just cross Him off because we don't know what this book says. I We read scripture earlier that says He formed us, that His thought was with us, that He knew our end, the end of our days, even before our days began. And we've got churches out here who do not have that knowledge and one of the reasons they don't have it is because they're so focused on how they're going to get blessed. This is the, this is the absolute authority. We, we, we don't understand that this book teaches us that we're sinners. And I quoted earlier where Jeremiah said, The, man is, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all sins. And when we go through this book, as we said, there's nothing new here. We go through this book, we find out that man's a sinner. That all men are sinners, that we're born under sin, that the death came through sin, and we could go over and over, and we could, you know, we could do a whole study on that, and because of that, the wrath of God rests upon us because we're in rebellion against God. That's basic, fundamental Christian doctrine, and most churches don't ever hear it. So when, when someone tells us that thing is just a massive protoplasm and don't worry about it, it's not real, it's not, it's not a human, then we, we, we don't have to worry about a creator who's going to judge us if we do the wrong thing. So, this book, all of it starts because we disregard this book. So do we read this book? Do we study it? If you are reading it, wonderful. You'd be better if you studied it. So I don't have time to make time. Cut something else out. Cut off. Shut off the TV. Shut off the computer. Shut off lunch. I can't do that. Well, that's biblical. That's called fasting. That's biblical. There's all sorts of solutions that you can find to study it. Get a tool that will allow you to study it. And, 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 and if you don't have a tool, give it some thought. What's he saying? Ask yourself some basic questions. So, we have this list that we, it's in bulletin, you know. Ask yourself the basic, what's he saying? What was he saying to them? What's he saying to us? What does this really mean? Does this connect to other scriptures? Ask yourself so you can do that. That's why God gave you the, the gray matter that he gave you, so you could give it some thought. And then the next question I have is do we yield to it? Do we look into it to try to find what we can get? Or do we look into it to learn about God? To learn what God does? To learn how God does things? Would you stand with me? Thank you for being patient. This this went long. I don't know how long it went. I'm grateful that Andy shuts the monitor off after he tells me I've gone too far. I don't, because it would make my repentance for going too long be hard, I guess. Heavenly Father, we live in a broken world. And we know that in this world there's sin and that and that within us there's sin. We also know, Lord, that We make our world more broken by walking away from you, by abandoning your word. We need you. When the prophet cried out and said, Lord, we need you. I pray you'll not let us get to the place where we hear back, I'm not dealing with you anymore. Now, he doesn't say that to believers. You don't say that to believers, Lord, but we want your grace to come and help us fall before you and seek you with all our hearts. Sometimes on these special Sundays, we go through this formulaic thing and we give numbers and we give lip service to what's wrong And Lord, today I ask you to help us realize that to some small part what's wrong is between our shoulder plates. And let sit on us a spirit of brokenness and repentance. A broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. Help us be like Jesus and be servants. Be humble before you. And Lord, where we have failed in our struggle with this world, or maybe we haven't even realized we're in a struggle, we turn from that and turn to you. Don't let us get caught up in materialism, in denial of your word, and in building false fences over some tiny doctrinal issue. Help us serve you with our hearts.